0: Hey, everybody, on the run with Beards and duns back again. Hey, Beards, you got your hunkin' hoodie on again today. (laughs) What's going on up there in Bemidji? Uh, uh, I'm telling you, I'm down in my
1: man cave and yeah, I got my park on. It's about forty <laughs> degrees down here.
0: Well, that's that's like that's a balmy day. In Bemidji. Yeah, just
1: about. <laughs> oh Lord. So uh, yeah, and I got my Paul Bunyan cap on, you know, with my 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 guide logo on the top. And so yeah, we're uh, it's good, it's fine. It's you know we're in the month of June already now, and uh, we're you know getting some nice summer weather up here. And so far the fish
0: have been cooperating, so I can't complain. <laughs> awesome. It's like ninety degrees, man. We're getting into the, the... Ball, the best part of the year, here, I think, summer. It gets pretty warm and hot and humid. Pretty but, humid oh, too. Don't I, it, you know, growing up in South Dakota, and you kind of it, it gets over. It gets up to 100 degrees, and so I I kind of like the heat. I like the heat more than I like the cold. That's why I'm where I'm at. And you're where you're <laughs> right, at. <there> you <laughs> so, go. Well, peers, let's kind of, let's get going here. You know, we, we, we finished on our last podcast. We've, we wrapped up the seventies. We got through the seventies and, and, you know, I ran Black Hills that fall. You had ran, um, uh, that summer Winnipeg qualified for the trials. I got mine at, at rapid city. Then you actually came back and did another marathon at Eugene, uh, at that yeah. OT, Oregon OTC. And the, I don't think I had, I had one more race after the black Hills marathon. I went out to wall drug like a month later. And and if anybody, I, I, I'll have a hard time believing. Nobody's everybody who might listen to this, if you haven't heard of Wall Drug, where have you been? It's no one of the, It's got to be one of the biggest, I hate to call it a tourist trap. It is. But it's it, a tourist but trap. But it, it's really great American ingenuity and, and capitalism. And you see signs oh, about Wall Drug. All over the world. miles all over the world. <laughs> have you dug Wall Drug? Anyway, right. but Wall Drug was started back in like the 20s during the Depression. A guy named Ted Husted was a pharmacist, and he set up his practice in this little town of Wall, South Dakota, it had a dirt road going through it. And you know, the guy was trying to make right. a living And the dust bowl hit. And, and the, I, the story, cause I met Ted Houston, but before he passed and his son, Bill Houston and Bill was a runner and he decided to put on a run. Well, anyway, Ted back in when Bill was a little baby, he was trying to think, how can I help my business and actually help the whole community here? And, and there was this black, t- a gravel road going East and West across South Dakota. And during the, the dust bowl and the the repression right. people were leaving they were bankrupt they were trying to find a new life you know, out on california and he'd see he'd see the dust of these cars <laughs> going by all day long and and what he decided to do one day he's like how can i get those people to stop you know they they are heading to rapid right. city it's only another like 60 miles to rapid city and they're probably like oh we'll just get to rapid well he got this idea and he he had an ice machine he could make ice at least and he went out there on that road and stuck a sign in it. It said free ice water with an arrow <laughs> pointed towards wall drug. And now I've never, I've driven across the state of South Dakota with, I don't know if I've ever done it without air conditioning in the summer, Right? but man, when those cars saw that sign the next day, they were ready for a drink of ice water and oh, people right, started, I Oh, they started pulling into this little town like droves. And a lot of them would like stop and get snacks, you know, and yeah. they had to get a meal maybe. And, and they thought, well, hell, we'll stop here. We'll get to Rapid City maybe tomorrow. And all at once, Wall Drug just blossomed because all these people, you Amazing. know, they didn't have a lot of money, but whatever money they had, they were stopping, they were getting free ice water and they were selling right. coffee for a nickel. And if I remember right, <laughs> I think they still do. You know, it's it's probably- I've, I've still seen signs that say nickel coffee. So that started growing. Bill's business, or Ted's business growing. Bill grew up there. And then went to college at South Dakota State University and he became a pharmacist. They have a great pharmacy program there. I can say that because my daughter graduated from that program. Well, Bill went back out with his dad and, and joined his business as a pharmacist. And, gee, they started expanding into like, you know, food. They have a wonderful cafe. They have a, let's just call it a souvenir Mecca oh, and this, oh, it, it became a million dollar business. They have diner. They have uh dinosaur statues. It's, it's stuff right. for the kids, great food rest. They, they own a hotel anyway. So Bill became a runner late in his adult life through, I think the influence of Bob Bartling. I think Bob and him were about the same age. Sure. And, um, As he was running, he, and Bill, I believe came and did the Jack 15. And he was, and he thought, wow, you know, he's an entrepreneur and a thinker and a a developer. And he said, I'm going to put a race on in wall drug. God, they had everything else there. So the, he, he came up with a distance of 15 miles. And the first wall drug race was in 1979 and Bob Bartling told me about it. And I said, geez, Bob, this sounds great. And I was fit after my marathon. And so we went out there and, uh, Ran the first official wall drug 15 mile. And I had wow. pictured the Badlands of South Dakota, which is just south of wall drug. It's it's unreal. It's just like a, you're in another yeah. freaking planet. It is. Unfortunately, that's a, like a national <laughs> park and you need all kinds of permits and it's like a freaking Mojave Desert. Well, north of wall drug is like nothing but wheat fields and prairie. Oh, Guess yeah. where they decided to run the 15 mile race? North of town, nothing out there, flat oh. as a pancake, you couldn't... The only thing I saw was like telephone poles. <laughs> there was I nothing. Bet. There was nothing there. Flat as a pancake. And there was like an out. You did a big loop, like a, a mile out and like 14 mile, uh, 12 mile loop. And then by the time you got back to the finish, you had 15 miles. So I ran it and and I was fortunate enough to win it that first year. The guy commissioned silver, sterling silver belt buckles. He kind of used the rodeo wow. theme. Of like we know rodeo professionals if they win a, a big rodeo they get that big old buckle you know which shows yeah. they were the champion well he had these buckles bears i got this buckle it looked like a freaking breastplate on me, <laughs> you know skinny little runner and it was i don't know what the value of that thing would be but and then the second third fourth they got belt buckles all the age groups wow and for the first year he got like 50 runners i think everybody walked away with something and the, the, a T-shirt. He got a free spaghetti feed, all for the cost of your registration, which was four dollars. Isn't that 19th, something? God, think about races today. What people pay. Anyway, so we we encouraged Bill. He was really kind of disappointed that more people hadn't showed up. But you got to remember to get to Wall Drug and, and this uh, yeah. race would have been like first weekend of October or so. It's a bit of a haul, and and we thought a lot of Rapid City runners would have come, but they they just didn't. And somebody said, you know, give it a year. Or, For the word of mouth, you know, I'm going to be telling all my friends about this race, how much fun it was. So he did it the second year, 1980, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. And I came back and I was fortunate enough to win it again. And he still got about 50 runners. And, and, and you know, and there's this thing in South Dakota, East River, West River. For anybody from the East to go west, it is a four hour drive. It's a long, a long long haul. And I think a lot of runners, there were so many races going on in the late 70s and early 80s that yep. you didn't have to travel very far every weekend to find a race. And the distance of 15 miles might have been a little um, prohibited or a little, yeah. a, a little scary for some people. That's a little more than a half marathon. Exactly. And I think the Rapid City people, I hope there are anybody from Rapid listening, I think they were always a little jealous of Bill Husted and the success he had in Wall the, I mean, he, he was making big bucks. Oh yeah. Through his marketing and entrepreneurship and rapid city. I think there was a little bit of a, and that's my, be I my bet perspective. A lot of the runners didn't make the 50 mile, 60 mile drive to go there. So after two years of trying this, and he gave Sterling silver a belt book, I was like, I should go get one. I could hold it up here in front of you. And you could, t- I still Man. have, that's one of the few words I kept. Um, he, 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 he canned it. He did two 15 mile road races in wall drug, nineteen seventy-nine, nineteen eighty, 1980. And he said, no moss you know i think he was a good that's businessman it. he saw what he was putting into it he had a passion for it and he was hoping to grow it and see right and you know it just wasn't getting any traction and no and he pulled the plug well that's my ending 1979 into early 1980 but then um well you're gonna you're, i'm gonna finish talking here in just a minute because my 1980 was pretty much wiped out because of an injury and your 1980. I can't wait to hear you tell us about it because I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But I went into track. I had track eligibility that spring. And so in like January, we started track workouts. We hadn't had any races yet. And I was fit coming off that 220 marathon. Right. I think I ran 120 at wall drug for 15 miles. And I I was in great shape. And so we, we started our indoor season and one of the f- workouts we w- traditionally would do is a, it's called 70 90. You run a 70 second 400 meters, and then you run a 90 second 400 meters. So you're running at 440 per mile pace, which is moving along. But then yeah. the, for one quarter mile, which is two laps on that little track, indoor track. And then then you'd run a 90 second quarter, which is a six minute mile. Now, after running a 440 mile, I sure did get a test. A no, done. Mile, let, me, yeah. let
1: me step in here for a second. That- you you ran on that indoor track at South Dakota State. It's a, it was like a
0: square track. The D-shaped track. The, yeah. The two corners at like, almost like 180s or whatever you call it. Right. And so I was fit. Joel Brandt was coming along. And, and I think it was, you know, we broke up into milers, did separate workouts. The three and six milers. And I fell in. And Joel and I kind of fell into that group. We did some longer ones like the interval. So Joel and I hooked up. And it was in mid-January or something. And he said, yeah, well, I want you guys to do the 70-90 tonight. So we did it and it was six miles. So we did six miles. And if you do the math, you know, you do a six minute mile or you do a 440 mile, a six mile, that's 520 per mile pace for six miles, but you're doing it the hard way, a, right. 440, a, a 70 second quarter then a 90 second that's quarter. A wicked it's workout. a tough workout. Um, and so we, we got into it and Joel, you know, Joel and I were feeding off each other. And I remember we went through three, four miles and we were, and those nineties were never over 90. They were usually between <laughs> yeah. 85 yeah. and 90. Cause yeah. It felt easy. Well, we got to about the fifth mile and I was starting to struggle. And I remember thinking, man, this is, this is a killer workout, but Joel was looking good. And, and I, you know, pride and you're 22 and you think you're the best in the world. And so I just, I suffered through it. You know, I got through and we did the six miles at alternating 70 and 90 second quarters. And, you know, good for me. But I remember after that ride run, I, I, what I ended up doing was tearing my, uh, it's called your, uh, fascia lateral, uh, um, Tendon, uh, FTL, or, or something like that. It holds your quad. It's by your IT band. Holds your IT band and your quadricep muscle in place as fascia. Oh, you know, I. It's a. It's not an uncommon injury, and I tore it, and it is a notoriously slow healer. I missed indoor. I was. I. I missed outdoor. My whole season was wiped out. Now I'm not saying that one workout is what caused it, but right. it, it was kind of the catalyst. I it think sure it didn't did. help. Didn't it. help it. I'm off the track. I'm not running a step. And I finished my college career uh, watching, you know, clerk and meets for squat yeah. and stuff like that. And so I was a little bummed out, but I was getting married May 31st. Yeah. And so, you know, th- even though things might not have been going well in my running life, things are going really well in my personal life. And so I had this, I was graduating college in May, looking forward to getting married and started to run a little bit. The season was pretty much winding down. I was not, I didn't run the conference. I couldn't run any races. I was injured. I just couldn't do it. And it was the end of my college career, and so I ended with a fizzle. And um, but had this wedding coming up. Now, in the meantime, Dick Beardsley is in Excelsior, Minnesota. And Beards, what were you doing, maybe January, February, March, April of 1980? So I was running every day. I was running, you know, like a you know 120
1: to 130 miles a week, something like that. But I was I was just worn to the core. You know, I was just worn out all the time. And I remember we lived on this second floor of this apartment building in that little town and gosh I, I'd walk up the stairs and I'd be you know panting like a dog that just has been laying out in the hot sun all day and and uh, I remember I ran in March of
0: 1980. The inclement 25k. Yes, yeah I did which it.
1: Which is now called the Ron Dawes Memorial oh, that's awesome. they 25k. They named it after Ron Dawes okay. And it's in Hopkins Minnesota it's a two loop course with lots of hills. I ran it in 83. Go ahead. Yeah and so I run this race and I come around the first lap and I'm like I'm dragging I'm about I'm, I'm about to quit and I run I, I run by my first wife Mary who's out there watching and cheering and I'm just way behind I'm shaking my head she goes she goes is some are you know is did you are you injured or what I go no I just don't feel very good I think I'm going to drop out and she I remember yelling at me you keep going it's tough love so, yeah. Yeah, so I I did the other loop. I, I honest to gosh, if I didn't finish, I had to finish. I didn't finish last, but gosh dang, close now, to Beards, it.
0: Beards, you had run two twenty just a few months earlier, right? And so now you're yes. having a hard time finishing in like September. Okay. Now
1: I'm I'm having trouble finishing. I here's what I thought. I honestly thought I lost that zest and that desire, and it was gone. And finally. My mom convinced me to go to the doctor. So I go to the doctor, they run all these tests and my my hemoglobin and all that stuff is super super low and you know back then they didn't have the testing like they do today and the, I remember the doc telling telling my mom because my mom worked for the doctor that yeah we think your son might have leukemia. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, nobody wants to hear no. that. Well, they did more tests. They found out I was super anemic. So they, they started me on some iron, you know, over-the-counter iron supplements and done. Within like 10 days, oh my gosh, it was like I got revitalized and I I had, you know, qualified for the Olympic trials. And so I'd been sick all winter, but I kept up the running. So I looked at it like, well, gosh, it's almost like I was training at 10,000
0: foot altitude, well, well, you know, right? I was going to, as a physiologist, this intrigued right. me because- You know, you have to move oxygen to your muscles for them to perform. And if you're not carrying the oxygen molecules down to the muscles that are active and you're you're basically starving them, but your body's trying to, your mind is strong enough to keep your body moving, but your body's like, we have to do something. So you develop more capillaries, more, you you become, you get more miles per gallon because you're not getting as much fuel, less oxygen. So you were adapting, like you just said, you might have been like you might as well have gone to ten thousand feet, which a lot of athletes do and train for a few months. They don't train fast at altitude because you can't, and you couldn't, it doesn't sound like either. But you still were training. Yeah.
1: So I was still still training, and um and here, here was my plan. My plan was I'm gonna run the Olympic trials so I could tell my kids and grandkids that the old the old man you know qualified and and made it and then that was it i was going to be done with my running i really was you know we're gonna have a dairy farm and whatnot and and so anyhow i go into the trials without any expectation i just i'm gonna run it you know and you know me don i always kind of would always go out a little bit faster than i normally (laughs) i mean i just like to go out with the lead pack and but that day i just went out kind of got in the middle of the pack and gosh dang it, I, by like five, six miles, I'm I'm like, I'm feeling good. And I'm passing people and passing people. And I ended up, for the first time in my marathoning career, I broke two hours and 20 minutes for the first time. I ran two hours, 16 minutes, and one second. I finished 16th place out of a couple hundred runners. And I remember, done. I wasn't through the chute. And I remember thinking... And, I, and then Mary came running up, and I and I told her, I said, I'm not quitting now. Wow. And so done. <laughs> if Let's say I would have gone in there, maybe ran another 220, 222.
0: We probably wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> well, we'd be talking, but not on a podcast, exactly. probably. Well, and so Beards, you went from a 220, 222. That fall before. Yeah. Now it's May, I believe, was the Olympic trials is in May. Yes. And you dropped over four minutes in that one race from two twenty twenty two to two sixteen oh one. And you knew there was still more in the tank. I did. It oh, was just wow. something
1: I, I don't want to say it felt easy. You know yeah, well, hindsight. But it yeah. felt it but it felt easy. You know, I mean, especially coming off of you know, being with this, you know, iron deficiency for so many months. And, uh, it's
0: like, gosh, I, I, I just, I can't give up on it now. That is, you know, if anybody's listening to this, this is, this is the, this is the dream. You know, you, you train, you train, you train, you, you do okay. You say, what if I do some more? You you got that anemia, which maybe actually, you know, the silver lining at the time, it didn't seem like a good thing. Maybe that did help your body make that adjustment, you know, or I, how do you explain it? Um, so I know you finished the race. You're you're you know, this isn't done yet. Now you just ran 216, finished 16th in the United States. You know, if you were the 16th best golfer in the United States, I wonder how much that guy makes a year. What if you're the 16th best, anything, basketball, football, you know, yeah. I don't know how they rank, you know, all that, but wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's getting That's you're in the big leagues now. Do you remember yeah. as soon as that race was over, you're living hand to mouth. Right, And and you get on your plane, you're heading back to Excelsior, kind of like on a cloud. Right. And you're thinking, what's next? Did you, was Black, Was Jack 15? Yeah, There you go. June. And, and June. That was huge. Yeah, within a yes. month of that. Okay, go ahead. Yes. I'm not gonna, now, I was injured. Uh, I was actually, I think I was just starting to run. I wasn't in any shape. So I didn't even go up to the Jack. I didn't run it. I didn't go up to watch. I kind of wasn't, I kind of forgot you were coming, but... Done. Go for it. what the happened J- at the jack
1: yeah so the jack 15 was a it, this little race that i shouldn't say well it is little as far as numbers you know never had giant numbers it's out in south dakota and and um but it it's been around for it's one of the longest oh. you know running road races in the in the upper midwest and i went out there and it was a turning point in my running it really i mean and it really was so i went out there And I was, you know, coming off the Olympic trials and I, you know, I was, you know, my confidence had been boosted tremendously from that race. And I went out there and, uh, you know, took off right away. And a guy named Warren Idy, Warren was a really good runner from Fargo. Oh, fantastic. All American. Yeah. And I, uh, it was a nice day to run. And I broke away from him at about maybe eight miles or something. And I, so I was on my own the last little bit, but I felt so good and done when I, I ended up finishing and honestly now you know me I would never say this to other people but in my mind when I got done I ran like an hour 14 minutes and you probably know I think it was
0: like 1:14:28 and it, it's got just to tell people it's a 15.2 mile race now it doesn't take a mathematical genius to figure out if you run a 1:15 for 15 miles that's 5 right. minutes a mile we well, yes. just ran 15.2 miles in 114 and change. Yes. I think it came out to about 455 a mile. Yeah. Which yes, for, if you're not keeping track of this, that's about 3030 30 per 10K. So you put together two 30, 30, 10k's and still had another 5k at that pace. And how was your how were you feeling?
1: Oh done. So honestly, when I finished, I was obviously elated, but I in inside me, I I thought At the time, no, I really thought I could have- Run another 11 miles? Yes. I love it. But, you know, things change (laughs) as you get beyond 20 miles. But that was such a huge- confidence builder for me and then it you know it led into ah okay the next marathon i ran but i don't want to get out of whack
0: (laughs) okay so i i have to admit to you i wasn't there i didn't see it i kind of regret that now but thanks i I, I had to be there to support (laughs) my bud. but i got up the next day you know we didn't have internet nobody could look at what i the argus leader newspaper huge newspaper in sioux falls south dakota they always had all the the results and you know yeah whoever the race director probably bob would send the results off and I don't know how they sent them, <laughs> telegraph. No, but it was in the paper the next day. The results were there, and I remember looking, and I, you know, I had to kind of do the double take because <laughs> right. the 114 didn't make sense. No, you know, it was like, was this a typographical error or something? And then I don't know if I might have called you that night or I talked to some other runners or something, and it was like, oh my gosh! All at once, I thought, hey, you know, my 10K pace for my PR is 4:55 a mile for yeah. 6.2 miles. I'm not saying to break that because Dick just ran 15 miles at that pace. When I finished my 10K, I was done. I wasn't going to run another 10K at that pace and you were feeling good doing it. And so uh, I know that that was that, that is uh, a huge, huge, huge turning point. All right. Now, around the same time, and, right. and we're going to just I have one little story left about me because 1980 I just soon get over with here as soon as we can for me but not for <laughs> you but I did get married May 31st in Spencer Iowa and Dick you were i am always so proud you were one of my groomsmen my brother absolutely my two best friends in the world Dick Beersley and Al Stropmeyer. And, yep. and Al you're going to hear about it on another podcast someday he he's passed now and and uh, Al was just a, a unique individual very dynamic and had a charisma you couldn't believe and yeah and he was he my did. best training partner we we're good friends and and he was my best man. And, and, uh, as Dick and I had started a tradition at his wedding a year earlier, we did a a run the morning of your, of his wedding, just him and I, and then of course for my wedding Dick said, Hey, we're going for a morning run. And Al was there as my best man. And Al was really in great shape. And and I was sure. just getting fit and not fit. Sure. I was just running. I said, look, you guys, right. I'm good for five miles. I can go out running. Yeah. And they go, that's good. You know, we just want to get a run in with you on your day of your wedding. You know, your, your right. last day as a bachelor, you know, and all that. Exactly. So I said, no problem. And I had my stuff and we got loaded up that morning of my wedding and, and I'd never been, I'd been to Spencer, but never really ran around Spencer, Iowa. And so we, Al, Dick and I took off from the hotel wherever we were standing. And I said, well, we'll head south of town. And so we went south and after about a mile, we crossed a bridge, a big river. And then we we got to the corner. And if most runners know, I hate out and back routes. I'd rather do a loop. You see scenery, you know. So we got to the corner. and said, well, let's take a right and we'll go another mile because everything's laid out on a grid system. And then we get to that corner. We'll, we'll do like a, a mile out, a quarter mile, four miles around, and then back to maybe it's going to be closer to six miles. Okay, I can do that. And we're, we're yeah. going conversational pace. We're not pushing it. Right. We're not racing. We're just out there enjoying each other's company and the day. And it was getting hot. And as we kept going. It was getting hot. I remember that. We're, cra- we're heading back, so we should be crossing this river But what we've quickly found out, there wasn't a bridge that we could cross the river. The road just kind of followed the river. And we said, well, let's go another mile and we'll hit a crossroad. Okay, okay. (laughs) So we go another mile. And then we go another mile. And all the ones we realize, we're six miles into this run. And we we haven't made the crossing back across the river. (laughs) Because I'm thinking if we cross the river, we will be back to our hotel. Well, little did we know, we would have had to go like 10 more miles to cross that darn river. We didn't know that, but I was... And it's like six miles. I'm I'm getting to the end of my my race. Yeah. My well, we're just we stop and we go. Well, what you know? We're looking at our watches. I have to be back for like pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, and you got a wedding got a coming wedding. up. It sounds like a dick and done, a beards and done adventure. Right. Dude like usual. And so we're standing there and I go, okay, we got to figure this out. You know, do we stop down, flag down a car, three guys out running out and Al, I, I just appreciated Al's enthusiasm. He goes, he goes, this river doesn't look that big. He goes, let's yeah. just swim the freaking river. He goes, take your shoes off. We'll hold them in the air. And we'll swim, you know, we'll wade until you can't wade, then just kind of sidestroke across. Yeah. And I and I'm a, I was a lifeguard. I, I said, right. Hell, I am not, I am not drowned in the morning of my wedding. I said, <laughs> no. I can see the, the paper now. Groom, groom dies morning of wedding exactly. swimming river. So we just made the, the decision. Let's just retrace our tracks. And we did, and we got back and we, it was a 12 mile run. And oh my I have a gosh. picture. And I don't have it. Uh, maybe I'll put it on the website of me laying on the bed in my hotel. I don't know off. One, of, my mom took it or something, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm wiped out. That's a good one. Well, you were toast. I was toast. I was dehydrated and and, and really over. I hadn't. I wasn't in shape to run twelve miles. But we did it, and now we laugh about it. I don't know if I, but I, I, yeah, it was the day of my wedding, and so I was pretty and, enthused. And, and, and well, we,
1: and Mikey, and, and congratulations to to you and Karen K. You know, just on the thirty first, oh, yeah. like you said, 43, 43 years, years ago that story
0: occurred. But anyway, so that's my contribution here, and so. The wedding was done. We had a great time, big party, and we went off on our honeymoon. And Beards, you now have, let's see, we're talking the end of May, so we're into June. You did the Jack in June. Jack 15's yep. over. You've got running shoe companies knocking down the doors trying to sign you to a contract, right? Yeah, it was, well. Ah, you know, I don't think so. In,
1: no, I didn't. And, I, you know, I kind of I was getting some free shoes from New Balance. Oh, okay. And and then, you know, then they, uh, they, they, uh yeah they they were giving me some free shoes so that was good I didn't have to date, uh, duct tape my shoes but you together you weren't getting anymore. paid by them no. no money no not at the
0: not at that time no
1: not at the yeah not the time I was getting free shoes but then um in maybe August of 1980 you know I and that Jack 15 helped right. me. You know, they saw the results, yeah. and I gosh, the guy's running sub five minute pace for fifteen point you know, <laughs> two miles, and so then I, I, um, they signed me to a small contract where I was getting five hundred bucks a month, and, and that was amazing. Oh,
0: you know, that's the runner's dream. And uh, when did Coach Bill Squires come into the equation? Not until was it Falmouth? No, it was it was. So
1: they, that's when they did it. They, I went out to Falmouth. Mm-hmm. They brought me out to Falmouth in 1980. Tell people what Falmouth is. Tell
0: them and Falmouth is huge to this day. Yeah. What is Falmouth?
1: So, Falmouth is a big road race out in the Cape, out in Cape Cod, out in uh, Massachusetts, and you run from this uh, lighthouse into this small little town of Falmouth, and it's a huge, huge thousands, race. Still yeah, is. Thousands. Yeah, and still is to this day. And so New Balance brought me out there because the only guy I'd ever met from New Balance was a guy named Hal DeWaltoff who gave me a free pair of shoes, you know, as I, when I snuck into that that uh, sporting goods convention and got kicked out three times. And um, so they flew me out. And I, I remember Coach Squires picks me up and he takes me, you know, he says, Dickie, he, he called me Dickie from the first time he met me. He goes, Dickie, I got a buddy down on the Cape that we, we're going to stay at his house tonight and be nice and quiet. And, the, you know, the race was the following morning. I said, oh, great, coach. So we get there. Well, it's party city. There's like 20 people staying there and they're loud. And, and I'm nervous because New Balance is bringing me out. They paid my way out there. So I go upstairs to find a bedroom to sleep in. About nine o'clock at night, and all the bedrooms are taken. You know, people had stuff in the room, so I grabbed a blanket off of a bed and I and a pillow, and I went to sleep in the in the <laughs> hallway. Okay. Well, co- coach comes up about midnight, and, and that boss next said, Dickie, what the hell are you doing sleeping on the floor?" I go, "Coach, there's no rooms. So will you take mine?" I go, oh, I, "I, coach, I can't do that. No, no, no." You're running a race in a few hours, you take my room. So reluctantly I went in, slept in his room. Well, I got up about four o'clock to go to the bathroom, and I walk in, I flip on the bathroom light, and I catch something out of the corner of my eye and I look, there's Coach Squires sleeping in the bathtub with a towel
0: over him <laughs> for a blanket. Gosh. And I That's the kind of guy he I was. Do, and I've met Coach Squires on a couple occasions and he was a one of a kind. There's no
1: Yeah, he really was. And so the next day I get up I run Falmouth and I ran terrible. I mean, I, well, After that terrible. Night. <laughs> okay. I ran, I ran a little under five minute per mile pace and it was so far back in the pack, it wasn't even funny. And I thought, I get done, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, New Balance is probably going to make me walk home, you know?
0: <laughs> Take the
1: shoes off your feet. <laughs> yeah. Give them back. And, but, uh, one of the guys picked me up and took me to the airport and he goes, Dick, he goes, listen we didn't bring you out here to judge you on this race we brought you out here to meet you and we like you and the race just happened to be going on so we thought you'd like it and so then it was coach choirs that actually took me to the airport and he asked me he says dicky he says do you have a coach that you're working with i go no i you know i taking things i learned from my college coaches and ron daw's book self-made olympian i'm just kind of putting them together he says well if you'd like a coach, I'd be more than happy to coach you. And I'm thinking, Oh my gosh. So I started work yeah. with tell people. With yeah. Tell coach people Squires.
0: who coach Squires has coached up to this point.
1: Yeah. So coach Squires has coached, uh, Bill Rogers, King of the roads, Alberto Salazar, um, all the Boston runners, Bobby Hodge. All the, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby Hodge, uh, Dick Mahoney yeah, he, started the, you know, the greater Boston track club as their coach. And, uh, and, um, the guy magnificent very smart runner he was 407. a, like a 40, 407 407 yep, yep. miler at notre dame then back in like the 50s yeah, yeah 1957 yep. and uh so just very knowledgeable wonderful guy and so i was tickled pink and and my running really started to improve so then that fall i went out to the uh back to the the uh oregon track club nike marathon out in eugene oregon and this time though because i had you know run 216 at the trials. They flew me out and everything. So done. That was another big turning point for me. So I got up that morning of the race and I, at that point, I was always trying to run a faster time. So I I would write my splits on my arm and I started writing my splits on my arm and I got about about the third or fourth mile and I, I, I stopped. I remember thinking, you know, if I'm ever gonna see if I can run with the big boys, I got to forget about my splits and just go with the pack. So my I went in there with the idea I'm running going out with the lead pack and I hung on uh for about 15 16 miles and then uh, Tony Sandoval and Jeff wow. Wells they won the race that day. Okay. They tied yeah, two ten. Yeah. So I get this. So the top 9, the top the first 9 finishers got an all expense paid trip for two to the honolulu marathon that december wow. so i we're finishing up the race and you you finish on the, hayward the uh, famous yeah. hayward yeah. field one lap of the track so i hit the track and right next to me is herm atkins oh, sure and herm was a, he was like a 211 marathoner heck of a runner, runner outstanding runner so we hit the track side by side and again the last thing you want to do in a marathon is have to sprint so he's sprinting i'm sprinting and he outleads me at the tape so i get 10th he got ninth
0: <laughs> he gets to go to honolulu but i ran 215 yeah, that day he, another oh gee another personal best i think it's another like personal sixth best or seventh in a row now
1: yeah yeah wow. and and but again that race I thought, okay, I'm I can't run with the big boys all the way yet, but getting I'm closer. I'm yeah. getting a good uh, a little bit closer, you know. So that was a big turning point. Done,
0: <sighs> man. I'm, I got to take a few deep breaths here now. I'm getting worn all out. All right, now <laughs> we're getting into. So that was late summer, August, maybe September. It's September. Well, then wait a minute. New York's in like October, isn't it? Or first weekend right. of November. <laughs> and didn't you run that? I did. I ran the New York City Marathon. Well, Do you want me to tell y- that story? Yeah, I think we have enough time just for that one. Because here's okay. what happened. You, I kind of, Beards, I got to admit, I was training hard. You were training hard. And we didn't have internet. We didn't have cell phones. And, you know, we would we talk occasionally. But, you know, I, I didn't even, I knew you were running New York. I You know, and so we knew that. And I just remember... A, I kind of forgot when New York was and it wasn't on live TV anymore. It wasn't yet on ABC. They might have d- delayed it, n- was it No, nineteen eighty it, it, it was live on it. I day. didn't and I didn't even I don't think I knew that. All I know is I got a phone call from Al Strautmeier, and I'll let you and when you get to the point <laughs> of the story where he called me up and he goes, Doug, okay. you're not gonna believe this. <laughs> so you show up in so, New York City on uh, so first weekend of I, I November. Show up in New York.
1: Yeah, I show up in New York City in 1980. It was late October, I think, that year. And uh, so again, I my mindset was I'm going out with the leaders. So I went out with the lead pack, and it was a kind of a rainy, kind of a windy, chilly day. And so Bill Rogers is going for his fifth, fifth yeah. consecutive New York City Marathon win. So it, we're about 14 miles into the race, and we're all tightly bunched. There's about 10 of us at this point. And we're going around a corner, and somehow Bill Rogers and I got our legs tangled up, and we went down like a sack of potatoes. And I I hit the pavement, and I rolled a couple of times. My hip is all bleeding, my elbows. I look back, and Bill— Facing the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, facing I, the I've wrong way. I've seen the way. photo, Yeah. Well, yeah, another runner coming behind us. Of course, he stopped and helped Bill yeah. up, and they just went flying <laughs> by me. Who are you? Right? So done. I jump up, and by the time I get up and realize what happens, you know, the lead group's probably like a, or a, a block in front of me. So stupidly, instead of just working my way back, I took off in like a dense <laughs> You wanted sprint. to
0: recapture the group. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, so I catch up to him just before we go over the Queensboro Bridge. So when you go over the Queensboro Bridge, they don't allow any spectators up there. And all you hear is the wind coming through the steel girders and stuff. Well, I had adrenaline coming out every open <laughs> Poor, yeah. part of my body. So I, we're, we're, we get up to the top and I'm, of, of uh, the bridge, and then we still had some flatness before it goes back down under First Avenue. And I was feeling my oats at that point. I thought, I'm going Lord. for it. So I take off. I open up about a 150 meter lead. And so now I've got, I've got motorcycle cops in front of me. I got the ABC television station in front of me. And you, I come down under first Avenue where the biggest crowds are at New York city. And the roar of the crowd for that first person off the bridge done, it literally, it literally melted my legs <laughs> and I, the roar of the crowd, the sirens are going, you know. And I get down onto First Avenue and I'm just flying. And all of a sudden I see something out of the corner of my eye. And I look over and it's Coach Squires. (laughs) He's sprinting alongside me in his Sunday go-to-church shoes. And he goes, Dickie, what in the (laughs) hell are you doing? And I looked at Coach I go, Coach, I'm winning the New York City Marathon.
0: (laughs) Well, you were at that point.
1: (laughs) And then... So then my dad was telling me this later. Cause of course I was well, running the race. I got a watching. phone call about that. And yeah. Al
0: Stratmar goes, yeah, go ahead. And he was, and he goes, done, done. Dick, Dick's lead, Beard's leading the New York city marathon. And I go, <laughs> what? You know, it's like, that's just, now I knew you were fast, but leading the New York city <laughs> marathon, Anyway, I, I, I don't think I could get to a TV or something, but yeah. I just remember he was so excited, and I said, well, call me when it's over or something. Anyway, go ahead, Beards.
1: Yeah, so I remember, so my dad was and mom were watching it back home in Minnesota, and Jim McKay, he was right. the guy that was on Wild World Sports, World of Sports yeah. and, and Frank Short of the Olympic gold medalist. Frank was the analyst, and, and Jim McKay, as I come down under First Avenue after about a quarter mile, Jim turns to Frank and says, So Frank, who was the guy out front with that high number? And Frank says, "I have no idea." But he, what what do you? Yeah. No. What did he? What did he call me? Cream puff. Um, uh, Yeah. He says, "I have no idea," but he looks like a cream puff to me. (laughs) My 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 dad's like yelling at the you know television. So that eventually the pack caught me, and that was the year that Alberto Salazar made his debut. Two oh nine. Yeah. Yeah, and he came in there still in college if yeah, I remember yeah. right and said, "I'm going to win the New York City Marathon break and 210. break 210." Yeah. And and he did. <laughs> so, but I finished uh Bill finished 5th, ran 213 and change. I finished ninth right. and ran Top 213. 10. And so so then that night, this is the best story of all. So that night I'm at the banquet. I don't know anybody. You know, I'm there by myself standing over in a corner. And I see Bill Rogers, he was like my you know, my marathon mentor, right. you know, I'd never met him before, starts walking over towards me. And he gets up right into my right about a foot away from me and he's not smiling or nothing. He go, he looks at me, and says, Are you Dick Beardsley? And I go, Yes I called him Mr. Rogers. I go, Yes, Mr. <laughs> I love Rogers. It. And and he took his hands and st- put them around my neck and started choking me. I mean, not hard, but he started choking me. And then and then he breaks out that Bill that big Bill Rogers grin and he says, "Dick, no hard feelings. That's what racing is all about." And we've been great friends that ever is so since. Awesome.
0: You know, I guess he was thinking this poor guy is going to blame himself and beat himself up for the rest of his life. That yeah. well
1: done. Not only was I blame myself. The, the papers were saying that I tripped them. Oh, and it, Some people was like, yeah, Beardsley fell down and Rogers was right behind him, so he stuck his leg oh, out. know
0: tried to I mean, some of the accounts I read were terrible. All right. that Now, yeah. and I, I don't know, Beards, you know, time has gone by. I don't think you have to worry about it anymore, but did you get something in the mail from the New York City Marathon after you got back? I think- I did. Ahead. Are you comfortable with all- I think we are. Oh, for sure. what what'd you get in the yeah. mail?
1: So, I get a. So Fred Lebow was right. was the race director for New York City, and of course, now remember, this is we're strictly right. amateurs. Yeah. We can't. No, no cash. There's no yeah. prize money. You, if, if you took anything, you could lose your amateur right. status. Mm-hmm. But I get a. I get a, the envelope in the mail about a week or two later, and I open it up, and there's a check in there for fifteen hundred right. bucks for I finishing ninth. Yeah, and I have. I, And it was, it was, uh, that's what they called under table payments back then. Mm. And, um, I guess the top 10, there was some, you know, Bill and Frank, I'm sure nor knew all about that kind of stuff, but I was so naive. I had, I thought, holy,
0: and that was a lot of money. What a shock. What a surprise. Oh, total,
1: total total shock.
0: Wow. And and I just remember the next morning, I did not know how, and this sounds ridiculous, but in 1980, no internet didn't exist. No. I, for some reason, I, I don't know why, I didn't, I don't know how you did. I don't know how you did. I can't believe I didn't call oh, well, you. Well, you know, you might have had a few. Bill was strangling you for one thing. and True, that's so, true. But I got up and I was living in an apartment, Country Club Estates. It's in Sioux Falls. Really nice uh, condos. And Karen right. worked in the sales office, so we got one really cheap. But anyway, I, I lived next to some some really well-to-do people, and they all had the paper delivered to them. Well, I didn't have enough money to order the paper and have it delivered. <laughs> so I got up that next morning to go out for a run, and I was thinking, God, I wonder how oh, there's a newspaper laying there. And so it's my neighbor's paper and he, yeah. you know, papers are hygienic. Nobody not untouched by you. No, so I, I kind of snuck over there. I go, God, if that guy opens the door, I reached down and I, I peeled <laughs> out the sports page and, you know, look my thumb finger and start yeah. pageing through it. And I got to the, the scoreboard, they called it where he had all the golf scores, all the baseball or whatever season it was back football scores. And then they'd have like, Oh, New York city results, top 50. I'm not making this story up, Dick. And I hate to tell you this, guess where I started looking for your name? I went to 50th place. I don't play. And I started you. sliding my finger up. And I'm not, <laughs> God, I don't see it. I don't see it. I get to the top 25. Frick, oh, I, I, what happened to Dick, you know? And then I slide yeah. up and I get to like 15th and I'm thinking, oh God, didn't he, I wonder if he, you know, did he not finish Dropped or out. what? <laughs> and I slide up and I kid you not Beards. 2-13-55, yes. nice place. Beards, I don't know if, if you were more excited or if I was more excited. I, I think I started laughing. You know, I, I just you know I was out there in this hallway all alone by myself, and I just I think I started laughing and shaking my head thinking, what in the world is going on? Because you know, in my mind, Dick's still Dick from South Dakota State, my right. trading buddy. And yeah, right. you know, sometimes I run a little better than Dick and sometimes, oh, he did yes. a few times and we'd have workouts where he was a hurting little unit and, and right. we suffered along pretty much side by side. And all the ones I'm looking at this, I'm going, God darn. And you know, Beards, you and I talked about it when, when we were training. Sometimes I said, wouldn't it be cool if we could make a, a career out of this or a living? I know. And go, yeah, you could. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, to do with know. your passion, your love. And you actually made money doing what you like. And and, it was a dream. And I always kind of wanted it for myself. And I've said this a million times. And I'm not just telling you this. I said, if it didn't happen to me, I am so glad it happened. And let's be honest, it happened to you. And it's not anything I didn't do or you did better or whatever. You trained and committed yourself to it. And I was training hard and committing myself to it. And you kept taking it to the next level. And I was so proud. You know, there's nothing, no other. And happy. I had, you know, and I, and I don't think we've ever had a heart to heart. I have never felt one ounce of envy or jealousy, not a bit. And that you might know and, and done. I, You never oh, showed
1: it. And, oh. and I know you, and I know you didn't. No. And you know, part of the reason that I was fortunate to get to where I did was because of, you know, your friendship and, and some of those training runs we had and you were always encouraging <laughs> to me and you always, you know, You know, you you'd get as excited as I would after I run a a good race or something. You know,
0: what's I called? I was living my life viscerosely through you. No, no, I was living my life. You were living your life, and we were both having a good time at that point. And oh, Beards, I got to take a break, man. I am. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm worn out. I'm worn out. And and, so you know, I think this is a good spot. And, And you know. I need to go for a workout. I'm going to get on my bike now and go out and smash it for about an hour. And so, there Beards, you go. thanks, Good bud. for
1: you. Well, yeah, we want to thank everyone for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly on our website, BeardsAndDunPod.com, or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at BeardsAndDunPod. And, of
0: course, youtube you know that way you can see us if you want i don't but if you go to yeah if you go to youtube hit the comment we'd love to hear what people yes. are thinking about this because you know i gotta admit I, I don't know if people are really I, i've heard people some people like it i'm sure a lot of people get bored with it i don't know if you like more you know to know when these things are coming out hit the subscribe button we'd love that and thanks for listening
1: hey and dan one last thing i don't you know who knows how many people are listening but i'll tell you what I'm having so much oh, fun beard. doing this with I hope, you. If there's nobody it, watching
0: it, I'm fine with it. I,
1: I don't even I care. Know, I mean, I because it, it's yeah. so you, we're just we're such good buds, and just to 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 remember all these things, and you know, we're getting up there in age now, Dan. We might not be able to remember I'm, I'm this. I'm hoping in a these a are going to be re- yours.
0: Re- they are being recorded for, so someday I can listen to it and go. I don't remember any of that stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: Hey, have a
1: good bike hey, ride, Danny. Talk to you next time. All right. You bet. Bye bye.